nights when one drink with the girls turns into a bottle, but you need your car for brunch the next day. There's pickup. Or at Friday work drinks, where you don't want to leave your car with expensive tools at the pub. There's pickup. Don't miss out on the fun. Get a pickup. Simply book on our app, and we'll pick you up to drive you and your car home. Two drivers arrive, one drives you home in your car, and the other driver follows. Download the pickup app today. That's PKUP, and wake up worry free. Hi, I'm Jack LeBrock. Hi, I'm David Reynolds. You're listening to Inside Supercars. From the racetracks across Australia, and here's Inside Supercars. Welcome to Inside Supercars. A new year, new things, plenty of new things that uh, for Craig and I to sit and discuss. But we thought, rather than just uh, he and I, we, we thought we'd invite somebody come on board who's most definitely inside the world of uh, supercars and motor racing. Connor O'Brien, welcome back to Speed Inside Supercars. Hey, uh, Tony, Craig, how are we? Well, indeed, in sir. Now, tell us, um, you're a journalist by trade, occupation, and nature. Um, been with uh, Speed Cafe for a year. Before that, of course, you uh, cut your teeth in the world of supercars.com. I did, I did. So, uh, yeah, I first was lucky enough to do a bit of, uh, a little bit here and there of supercars uh, for the News Limited. Um, and then, yep, spent a year and a half or close enough to it at, at supercars itself. And then, uh, yeah, so now I've been just over a year at Speed Cafe. So, uh, yeah, I've sort of... Uh, Got to come at it from a few different angles, which has been nice. While you're relatively new compared to Craig and myself in terms of spending your time travelling the supercars trail, you're coming on the right time because it's a whole new broom has swept, swept through the organisation. New owners, new commissions, new chairmen, the whole deal, and a new CEO. It must be uh, rather exhilarating to be talking to people around this sort of uh, time. Yeah, I think it's great. Um, I think that the you know there's been a lot happening in supercars, a lot of challenges, uh, ups and downs. But uh, I think uh, the general uh, I think the general consensus is mo- most people are pretty excited about where we've sort of uh, now got to. We've got uh, got fresh investment and owners that are uh, fairly, uh, I guess emotionally invested and uh and willing to kind of make the product better and better uh we've got a new ceo who uh is very popular and well known within the paddock and yeah and obviously we've got gen 3 not far away so i think um for all the challenges that there's probably been in some ways in shapes and forms and uh and a little bit of frustration probably at times from fans uh i think uh we're in a pretty good spot now as a sport and uh yeah it's really exciting to see uh what uh what's next now, I imagine that you've already been talking to a good number of the teams. Seems as though there's a lot of optimism. And, you know, obviously it's been quelled slightly by the uh, Newcastle being postponed. But the teams themselves, when you're talking to the Triple uh, H's and the DJRs, they must be uh, looking pretty enthusiastic towards their things. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, yeah. I think, um, yeah, certainly, for example, yeah, Shane Howard's appointment as CEO was, uh, yeah, well, well received uh, from, um, you know, both sides of the, uh, you know, both Ford and Holden teams. And, uh, and yeah, I think everyone's really keen to hopefully, I mean, everyone in and outside the paddock, I guess, is really keen to hopefully be able to go racing in a full season. Obviously, it's a 
shame in some ways that uh, that we're, we're starting at Sydney Motorsport Park because uh, we've uh, we've come to know that place a little too well over the last sort of 18 months or so. But uh, but look, I mean, yeah, I feel like we're hopefully getting to towards the point that uh, things are back to normal and we can. Um, Hopefully, I guess everyone's quite grateful for that, and uh, you know, it'd be great to be able to eventually go to some street circuits and some places uh, that we haven't been to for a little while. So, uh, yeah, I, I, um, I, I think, yeah, yeah, certainly, everyone's really excited to have um, it within the sport. The teams, I think, are excited to have one last year of uh, these current cars, and there's quite a bit of driver change and, all, and engineer change. So, um, I think people are excited for that, and then uh, obviously, Gen Three. Uh, so looking like it's coming up pretty well. Having worked in the inside the organisation of supercars.com, you'd be well aware of Shane Howard, his enthusiasm for motorsport you know, and you know the fact that he used to own cars and race himself. But you'd know something of his personal style. Tell us a little bit about Shane Howard, please. Uh, yeah, so Shane, um, so in the supercars organisation, they've got two offices. They've got the Gold Coast office and the Sydney office. Um, when I did work there, uh, I was in the Gold Coast office where Shane is based. Um, uh, his predecessor, Sean Seymour, was uh, Sydney-based. Um, uh, but, yeah, look, um, so, yeah, I did get to know Shane a little bit. And, um, yeah, I think um, I think you'll find he's probably better received than Sean in some ways. Uh, Shane's a really – he's been described to me as someone who is really good at um, – for example, being around a boardroom and you've got people saying this, that, and everything, and he can kind of summarise and bring everyone together to a, to an, uh, I guess, a consensus really, really efficiently. Um, but yeah, just someone who is passionate about motorsport. He's been in this game for two decades, uh, yeah, and uh, just a fairly calm head, um, yeah. That I think can kind of uh, who is sort of racing first. And, business second in some ways. So, um, yeah, I, I, uh, I personally, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to have Shane there. I mean, yeah, uh, I think he can do a lot of good stuff um, and brings a bit of stability at a time when obviously the owners come in and they're pretty fresh to it. One of the things that uh, makes Shane such a standout in this job and realising, you know, there have been five or six different people through the, the gate, so to speak, of uh, the CEO job, is that um, he's been involved with the customers in terms of uh, events. And yes. it seems to me it's almost harking back to the original Tony Cochran sort of style that uh, the people through the gates were important. Um, yeah. And and that seems to be a real bonus for the future. Yeah, so uh, funnily enough, it was Tony Cochran who brought Shane into the business in an event role. And, uh, yeah, certainly Shane... Um, a, uh, I guess a strength of his and certainly an, an, a point of experience has been on that event side and dealing with governments. And so, um, and he, he's uh, quite quickly gone out and said that, you know, the moment that we can kind of open up to fans and get back to having the full experience, you know, that, that is a big goal uh, of his. Um, of course, none of us really know what, what, uh, what will and will be, Possible will and won't be possible, rather, with um, the way COVID is at the, at the moment. But I mean, um, but yeah, uh, certainly saying the right things at least. So yeah, we actually had some interviews with Shane from some time ago uh, last week. He certainly gives a, a good indication as to what his style and interest and the way in which he goes about things. 
One of the things that is exciting about this year is the resurgence of the Walkinshaw Group. Now, they're under a new name, as they have been for a few years now, but Jazz and, and Lee's Bathurst win uh, bodes well for a really good season with maybe a tri-corner uh, challenge. I mean, we know that uh, you know the Groves have come in. We know that there's um, you know, more restructuring at Walkinshaw's. Um, Triple Eight have actually had to go away and, and re-engineer themselves, so to speak. Um, DJR, not a lot to change there. But tell us uh, what your thinks are about the championship themselves, where you see the players are. Yeah, oh, I think you've probably given a fairly good rundown on it. I think um, I think Tripway, you know, Shane himself should and I'm sure is still the favourite to win the drivers' championship. But of course, when you uh, when you have a lot of change and a rookie driver come in like Brock, who's a very talented guy, but it's going to take, you know, well, it should take uh, a bit of time to get up to speed. So I expect the, you know. You know, Triple Eight, well, and you know, change of engineers. Uh, you know, again, Andrew Edwards, very, very talented guy, but come in, um, come across from Red Racing there, and uh, Martin Short comes up with Brock Feeney. So, like, uh, obviously, Roland out and uh, and Jamie Wink up into the top job there. So, a lot of change there. Um, I still think Van Gisbergen is the driver to beat, but there will be opportunities. Walkinshaw and Andretti United are certainly sensing that, and clearly, uh, Going out and getting Nick Perk out and getting Jeffrey Slater as his engineer, you know, uh, they're in a great position. I, uh, they're, they're certainly, um, yeah, aiming very, very high. Uh, I, we, we, it's a, it's an interesting one. We've, we've sort of seen this a few times with uh, with that organisation over the last kind of decade or so, but. Uh, I think there's a real sense that maybe this is the time that they can really start to make a make a dent. Um, just on a couple of ones, DJR I think will be better. They they started slow last year with a double driver change and got better as the year went on. I think they can only be better again with a bit of stability this year. So they should be uh, you know pretty well in it. And Tickford, uh, I don't see a lot changing at Tickford. Not much has changed uh, in, on the driver front, and I think that Cam will, will still lead the charge there and will still be there or thereabouts, but I'm not sure that they're quite consistent enough to be maybe up with the other three teams. With the pit lane order now being settled, what is interesting is we've got two four-car teams. Tickford gets the extra licence again, and Brad Jones for Blanchard. They're going to have a more expensive year because they're going to be pitting by themselves in Bay 25, which is a good thing for them because they will control their destiny. And we've heard over the years, Team 18 used to constantly uh, have issues with uh, the half-and-half team role. But it is a more expensive role when you have to pit your whole car and you're not splitting it over, of course, a two-car team. Yeah, to be honest, um, you know, the BRT, Cold Drive Racing, I guess, whichever way you want to call them. Uh, they were a great feel-good story of last year, but I, I, to be honest, don't see any upside to this. Um, yeah, they... And, uh, yeah, I know, obviously, Tim Blanchard himself has kind of not been too keen on having an odd number. Not only do they have to have a whole pit crew by themselves rather than splitting the, the, the resources like they did last year with Tickford, um, their third car plus Blanchard, um, 
not only yeah is that going to be an extra cost, they also move all the way to the end of pit lane, uh, to the wrong end of pit lane, which uh, you know everyone talks about the strategic advantage of being further up the the lane. So uh, unfortunately, I don't see a lot of advantage there. But I mean, uh, hopefully, uh, Timmy is in a position to maybe expand two cars under the Gen Three, uh, and uh, then they'll be in a better spot to kind of, like you say, fully control their destiny and not be disadvantaged. But yeah, unfortunately, I don't. Yeah, I don't see that being a great situation for them the big thing uh, change for this year is uh, there's no more webs neither jonathan nor steve webb involved in the series and uh, a birth of a new team in peter zabiris um, premier have been around for a while as a sponsor for gary jacobson um, i don't know the actual history um, but uh, i understand peter was a drag racer a very successful one at the top end of the, the uh, double a's but um, uh, have you got any indication yet on where they're going to be located? I I do. Um, I don't know uh, how how soon um, you know this is all coming out, but I mean uh, they will be based in Brisbane. They um, yeah they're, they're still very much finding their feet on a on a couple of items, but yeah they will be based in Brisbane, and uh, I think it's a great thing. I mean. Um, you know, various things were said about how the previous iteration of that team was uh, was run. Uh, but I think the great thing is uh, bringing in some fresh blood and some probably more more motivated um, leadership. Um, Peter is uh, you know a successful businessman, successful drag racer, and uh, you know like I don't think you know I don't think they're kidding themselves that it's going to be a tough year with such short notice, but the plan is there and the ambition is there to to be, you know, getting up to speed as quick as they possibly can. So, uh, and, you know, you know, Peter's willing to put his money where his mouth is. So um, I think it's a great thing for the sport and it'll be, yeah, I guess, yeah, we'll, we'll see how they roll out to start with, but I, I'd expect start slow and then, uh, yeah, build up as the year goes on and hopefully they'll be in a better position come 2023. And, of course, one of the interesting things is with Zabiris. Have you heard what the team name is yet, by the way? Yes, Premier Racing, just like the drag racing oh, team. Yeah, so that will be yeah, that will be the name. Peter uh, himself, obviously, uh, well, maybe not obviously, but is the managing director at um, Premier Hire. And, uh, yeah, so Premier Racing will be the name of the team. One of the other, other key components uh, they've got to get in place, race engineers. They uh, lost a man in uh, Jeff Slater, who's uh, to the benefit of Walkinshaws and Nick Perkett. Is, have you heard at all uh, about how they're manning up? And the other question was about commercial. Now, obviously, commercial manager is very important for a new team. Yep, I, I can answer some of that. Um, I can answer that commercial manager. I have got Paul Thompson aboard from Erebus Motorsport. Uh, so I know that him himself and uh, Peter are already working quite hard with a number of uh, a number of backers and you know that that side of it. Um, in terms of race engineers, I as far as I'm aware, they are on the hunt. Uh, I don't. I'm not aware of them having appointed anyone just yet. But, uh, but yeah. So um, yeah, I think it's gradually coming together. And yeah, obviously those guys know that. They've got a they've got a limited time span before uh, before we get to Sydney Motorsport Park for round one. There are certainly plenty of uh, items that are looking forward for interest for P 
people who are fans of supercars. But when we turn to the, the opening event, now it's disappointing. I, I enjoy enormously uh, Newcastle. Um, you would have been there at least once, I imagine. Uh, yeah, yep. I went to the 2019 edition. And I mean, of course, 2017 was probably the provided potentially the best race of all time, I, I think, with that, that uh, amazing finale between McLaughlin and, uh, and Winkup. So. But, yeah, um, but yeah, look, and I mean, it's it's a shame that uh, we're not going there straight away, but hopefully it won't be too far away. Have you heard of all that format for the opening round? I believe they're carrying forward the Super 600 for SMP, but uh, I haven't heard any more as yet in terms of exactly how that format will look. Uh, potentially, at a complete guess, uh, maybe it's going to be two 300-kilometre races, but uh, yeah, genuinely, I... I uh, I'm none the wiser right at this second. Connor, your thoughts on going back to SMP because we just had four weeks in a row right before Bathurst and whilst we had to have the race in New South Wales and there's not a lot of circuits, permanent circuits that meet the criteria for supercars, is it the right place to start given the criteria of we couldn't go to Newcastle because COVID, I think, A, they were really worried about ticket sales and, B, uh, the build was looking problematic with getting enough contractors who could do the work. So they they couldn't do Newcastle, but they can't do Newcastle last because if Newcastle is going to be the start of 2023, it's tough to finish. The only place you can do that, as we've shown, is you can finish with Bathurst and start with Bathurst, but anywhere else it's going to look a bit hollow. Yeah, uh, well, I think you make some good points about why Newcastle wasn't considered viable right now. Um, if, if if it was, yeah, a case of having to go somewhere for New, um, New South Wales to open the season, you know, unfortunately, yeah. Uh, City Motorsport Park is uh, probably the right one. I know that it is been, it has been a very valuable kind of backup solution for them. Clearly, because uh, it's uh, it's a very like COVID safe venue, and uh, obviously being a permanent uh, venue, it's you know, a little bit more flexible than a street circuit. So, um, no, look, I mean, yeah, everyone I'm sure knows that it's not ideal that we're going back to City Motorsport Park already again. But, uh, yeah, uh, it, it sort of uh, it quickly became apparent that that was going to be a possible uh, outcome. Um, as for the finale, look, um, I wouldn't be shocked if, uh, if we just pushed New- Newcastle back to the end. Uh, I-, I think that there's still a lot to play out, though. Uh, I don't think they're going to rush too much in terms of... Uh, I could be proven very, uh, very quickly to be wrong, but uh, I don't think they're going to rush too much to to rejig stuff because uh, there's obviously still a little bit of uncertainty around events like Perth and New Zealand just with the ongoing border situations in those kind of locations. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I, I, I could still see a little bit more rejigging to go. Uh, but, yeah, look, I guess yeah, we're going to just have to wait and see what happens. The potential there is if you do finish with Newcastle and you do start with Newcastle, you have probably got a saving if you can negotiate not having to tear down the infrastructure and just having the city live with it for, what would it be, three months between the end of the season, if you push the season back a little bit and uh, bring 
the start back into February, which might not be able to do with the Gen 3 builds, but you know what I mean. If you can get them into a three-month where we're going to leave it all here because we're back here soon, that actually saves race and supercars a, a lot of money in construction and deconstruction. Yep, yeah, that, that, that's true. Um, yeah, I, I, to be honest, yeah, <clears throat> yeah, you make a good point for sure there, but uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I don't know how locked in, in all honesty, you know, Newcastle is to be the 2023 opener, you know, it could easily end up, in my opinion, yeah, just becoming the regular season closer again. It's, yeah, I think things are pretty fluid at this stage. So, uh, yeah, look, <laughs> uh, I mean, I have to say, yeah, I'm not, uh, I'm glad I'm not the one trying to uh, negotiate calendars and that sort of thing because uh, things clearly are changing uh, more often than, uh, than is ideal. But, uh, yeah, uh, uh, yeah, as I said, I wouldn't be surprised if Newcastle just ends up being maybe the 2022 and 2023 closer, but uh, I'm sure some smarter people than myself will uh, figure that out. And, if, and one of the real interesting factors is a change in government in South Australia means that the Adelaide 500 becomes available again. And do you slot that into the start of 2023, which gets you around a problem of finishing at Newcastle in 2022? Yeah, I mean, the, I guess there had been a question mark whether they could even slot that into the very end of 2022 because uh, <clears throat> the, ca- uh, the calendar had been set to finish early. I think that might be a tad on the ambitious side. So, yeah, I think what a what a spectacular way. I, I mean, what better way to, to launch Gen 3 than, uh, than the return of Adelaide 500? Um, of course, this depends on the outcome of the, uh, the state election in, uh, in March, um, but... Uh, certainly the Labor government who are currently in opposition uh, have um, promised big to bring back that event. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I personally think that would be the perfect way to start um, Gen 3 uh, on the streets of Adelaide. So, yeah, uh, I guess, uh, yeah, fingers crossed uh, that, uh, that that can come together because it's been too long since we've uh, been there. We know, Connor, that you would have read the history of supercars and the uh, successful way in which uh, Cochrane, Caddick, uh, Shane Howard have all negotiated with governments, and uh, it will be interesting to see what transpires in South Australia. Have you been at Twitch to hear the Gen Three cars? Uh, I actually personally haven't, but my colleague Simon uh, Chapman, he uh, has been out to a, a, a multiple test days, and uh, and yeah, so he's been the lucky one. I've been sort of back in the office, so uh, <laughs> but he he's sort of spoken highly of it. I think everyone sort of likes the look of it, uh, and. Uh, they're certainly working hard on the sound. At Bathurst, uh, the the Mustang for the uh, demonstration laps ran without a muffler. I know that uh, people were like amazed by the sound. They're probably going to have to run mufflers at, at least most events. But, uh, yeah, I know that that's certainly something that Adrian Burgess and his team are, are looking at to make sure that we uh, we retain a very, very good sound to our, uh, to our race cars. The, the calendar in itself, it looks... Pretty well sort of standard one at this stage, obviously the change with the postponement of Newcastle. But, you know, three events in Victoria, three in uh, um, New South Wales, a couple in Queensland, one in WA, one in South Australia, one in Tassie, one in Northern Territory. It's sort of they, they're making that plan of making sure they're seen in every state. And obviously if they can pull this uh, calendar off, it'll be a great success for the series. Most certainly. Most certainly. Um yeah, and yeah, look, I mean, 
the the inability to do that at times has obviously not always been uh, Supercars' fault. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I think there's a great desire from all sorts of stakeholders to, to see the category go back to uh, go back to WA and go back to New Zealand. Uh, those are the main two places that have sort of missed out in, in ever since sort of the pandemic hit. Um, and the, the, as I said earlier, that they sort of uh, think still remain in some doubt. But uh, but yeah, those two in particular, you know, it, it's been a long time since. Well, 2019 was the last time that we visited either of those uh, locations. So um, yeah, fingers crossed we can make that happen again. Especially for New Zealand, I, I tend to think with. Uh, the dominance that we have on, you know, some guys like uh, Van Gisbergen and McLaughlin in recent years, it'd be great to, to yeah, get, get back over to the, the other side of the Tasman and uh, give back to the Kiwi fans and, uh, and drivers and personnel. And I've been interested since Shane Howard came on board and, and particularly a race, the international talk has started up again and I know that that is a divisive subject amongst fans, but it has been very interesting to see we've gone through this consolidation stage and, and really trying to shore up our home base. And now as the world's talking up, and I'm wondering if there's some government influence here, supercars are talking about opening up back to the world stage. Yeah, well, I mean, Shane was certainly um, pivotal in a lot of those overseas events. So what have we had? We've had China, <clears throat> Bahrain, Abu Dhabi, and the US. Uh, those are the four kind of locations outside of Australia and New Zealand that, that the championship has been to. I, um, I, uh, I, I think it'd be exciting, personally. Um, obviously, it has to stack up financially and make sense, but... Um, if supercars can be a more global product and, um, you know, that can only be a good thing for, I would think, for sponsors and, and whatnot. So I think it's great as long as it makes sense. And I'm sure they wouldn't do it if it didn't make sense. Um, you tend to think that the sort of Asia Middle East market seems to be where a lot of opportunities are at at the moment. As you see with Formula One, you know, um, that, you know, that's sort of really expanded themselves into that <clears throat> Saudi Arabia and Vietnam, you know, looking at those kind of areas a lot. So I can only assume that's sort of a logical kind of area where supercars might go, might look <clears throat> if that opportunity comes about. But I mean, um, I am um, sort of just guessing there, but uh, I, I, I think it's exciting. I think it can only add value to the championship. And Connor, have, have you been doing any rounds of the teams lately of, um, oh yeah, look. I mean, I yeah, myself and my <clears throat> my team are regularly touching base with uh, people up and down. Well, you know, around around the the state. Obviously, supercars wise, you've got people in Victoria and in uh, in Queensland. Yeah, so regularly touching base with people. One item that probably is we have missed is Steve Amos. I actually know Steve quite well and I have known him for a long time. He has uh, suffered from a number of medical conditions, and obviously, he's decided now to move away from the business. I believe his sons are involved in it still. Uh, have you spoken to Steve in recent times? Yeah, yeah. I was lucky enough to sit down with Steve last week and um, sat down actually with Steve and uh, and a number of people. And uh, yeah, I mean, I think Steve is sort of, yeah, he says himself, 
the project, especially with relation to the Gen 3 uh, Ford engines, uh, is sort of just the nature of some of the, I guess, brain type um, injuries and illnesses that he's uh, had to endure. So, um, yeah, so uh, he's uh, uh, aero performance engines, which uh, obviously in the assist company of the aero performance um, with, with Rob Herod at the helm. And uh, so Steve will be a, um, a silent partner in Herod performance engines. But uh, I think there's a lot of excitement there with uh, that, you know, that's probably a good move. Um, to let Steve, you know, focus on his health and to, to have Rob come in and uh, offer his expertise and experience. All right. Well, there's certainly a, a lot to uh, digest on the new season. Um, look forward to catching up with you in person, Connor. I don't think I'll make Sydney Motorsport Park. Uh, Tasmania is always a possibility. We've got to the end of March, and uh, that's something I would well and truly uh, always enjoy. Um, I can remember being down there and having a ride with Mark Scaife and John Faulkner and I think Neil Crompton around the oh, track in the wet. So that was that was pretty amazing back in about 94, 95. So uh, Simmons is certainly a track that uh, gets your attention. It's a nice little short track and a wonderful venue. Yeah, but, absolutely. I can't wait for, for the championship to go back there. It's always, it's always uh, close to racing. Yeah, I can't wait to, um, to go somewhere other than Sydney Motorsport Park, to be honest. And has launch of the year already been won by Grove Racing, getting Sam Kekovic in on Australia Day with some lamb chops to uh, really push home the fact that Penwright's being part of both Lee Holsworth and Dave Reynolds' season? Yeah, look, I mean, I think it's a good sign. That's pretty well the first official act, I guess, um, for Grove Racing since it became 100% owners of that team. And, yeah, what a spectacular way to to launch its 2022 sort of campaign. Uh, yeah, so full credit to those guys. Um, and, you know, I always love it when a team gets ahead of the game and, you know, releases delivery as opposed to waiting for the to the last possible moment. So, um, yeah, definitely a, a big tick for, for Grove Racing there. And a big tick for you too, Conor O'Brien, the editor of Speed Cafe, for joining us on Inside Supercars. Thank you for your time today and your thoughts. Look forward to catching up in person and all the best for a great season ahead. Thank you very much. It's uh, wonderful to hear from Conor O'Brien. He's certainly given us a good taste of what to look forward to in a new year with plenty happening both in the organisation, with race coming on board as the owners, the teams, lots of movement around. Not too many drivers like we've seen some years, but it's been wonderful to catch up with Conor and uh, get his thoughts on it. Don't forget, you can always tune into past shows of Inside Supercars and Inside Motorsport. Craig, your thoughts? Yes, we have had some great interviews, including, as you mentioned before, that Shane Howard series of interviews. We spoke to him over the, the course of the journey. Tony Manson, who, of course, was able to talk us through his life experience and what a great time that is. Russell Stuckey, all part of our off-season packages of shows. Brock Feeney in there as well as we look back at the season that was. They're all available on Spotify, iTunes, Podbean and at sportradio.com.au and uh, don't forget to send a comment and put a comment or rate the shows and tell other people that you enjoy listening to Inside Supercars. It's the best way to help 
others find out about shows you like as well, Tony. And that's it from me and... And it's good night from him. Inside Supercars is produced by Thunder Media. Tune in next time for more or lock in the podcast on your iTunes or mobile device. Search Inside Supercars. The views expressed on Inside Supercars, including the panellists and guests, do not reflect the views of the network, Thunder Media or Sport Radio. Any publication or rebroadcast of the show without the expressed written permission of Thunder Media is strictly prohibited.